What's new listeners? I'm Audra Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. Here on the program, we give reviews and recaps for books, movies, and TV shows, with a whole bunch of special guests who join in on the banter and breakdowns. Maybe you want to hear about a contemporary romance novel, like The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Or maybe you want to hear about an MCU show, like She-Hulk. Or how about the best movie of 2022? Or at least, that's my opinion. Everything everywhere on at once. You can hear all of these discussions and more on Two Cents Critic. Hi, it's Aurelene from Spooky and Strange, and I'm here to remind you that this podcast contains mature language, so please be mindful of who around you can hear it. Also, we assume that you have watched the show that we will be discussing, because there are spoilers ahead. But really, it's been out for a while, so get caught up already. <laughs> Enjoy! <laughs> Just Missy Elliott. That popped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> work it. That's what you're singing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, work it. Is it worth it? Let me work it. Put my thing down. Flip it and reverse, reverse it. it. It's your film. And it's ram- yep. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to. I know. I'm like, what was she saying? Should I try to say it backwards? It's not. It's, it's reversed, right? Yeah. Like but they reverse the tape. <laughs> And it's something else. So I'm trying to say it backwards so I can figure out. Like, right. I don't think it is anything. I think she was I just don't... like, I think it was just gibberish. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we love you, Missy. Welcome to the Rewatch Recap, where Orlean and I are back for episode two of The Magicians, entitled The Source of Magic. Ooh, The Source of Magic. Yeah. Say hi, Orlean. Say hi to our audience. Hello, magicians lovers. (laughs) (laughs) Magicians lovers, we love you lovers. And those curious about this show. (laughs) And my magic curious. <laughs> Are you magic curious? Twinkle, 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 twinkle. Call now. Operators are waiting. They're standing by, ready <laughs> to take on your magic needs. So, yeah. So, Orlene and I just recorded a little extra stuff over for Patreon, which is uh, if you sign up for $3 a month, you'll get early access to episodes and Patreon exclusives like the extras from behind the scenes and fun little conversations we have for each episode that drops every Tuesday after the Monday premiere of the regular episode. So, go sign up and help support the show, yo. And you will never guess what we talked about this time. You won't. Literally, will, you won't be able to guess. It will shock you. <laughs> it will rock you. It'll rock em, sock you. Okay. <laughs> It'll rock em, sock you is not a thing anybody ever said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, back to the magicians. <laughs> this episode premiered on January 25th, 2016. Once again, it was a full month after the first episode premiered Whoa. in December of 2015 and it was also two days after my 35th birthday so (gasps) what a nice present happy belated 35th to me (laughs) 
Anyway, so last week I started off with the recaps and Aurelina and I will be switching it up, recapping every other episode, basically. So with that said, this is Aurelene's week. So take it away, eh? Thank you. All right, The Magicians, episode two. Previously, we met Quentin, a sad boy who loves fantasy. Then he sees a dead body, and he follows a mysterious letter through a hedge to a magical school. He takes an entrance exam and does magic. What? He gets into the school, but his BFF Julia does not. And when she remembers that magic is real, she sets out to find it. Meanwhile, Quentin enrolls at Breakbill's Academy and is quickly discovering the dark side of magic. Ooh. <laughs> so that's uh, that's our setup from episode one. <laughs> All right. Is everyone ready? Because we jump right into the action. Quentin is on the ground and the classroom is in disarray. He's being questioned, and we're seeing flashes of moths and a detached eye and Alice and more moths. What did the beast say to you? How did it know your name? Quentin is asked, and poor Quentin is literally on the verge of tears, unable to answer. I'm like looking at my notes. I'm like, where did my notes go? I was like, I had things to say about this, and I don't remember what it was. <laughs> You're like, and? And I'm like, ah. I just. <laughs> what do you think happened, Dustin? I think that confrontation with the beast went a little haywire. <laughs> was it even a confrontation? I mean. it was. A, I mean, it was a blatant attack. But it was yeah. like an attack. Um, the classroom is honestly all over the place. Like, I was really like, oh, my gosh, what's going on with Alice? What did she do? What are these flashbacks flashing in and out for? Yes, what happened? Like, we just, we get these flashes and we're like, oh, my gosh, something terrible happened. But can't see what. Terrible. Is that your, is that your commentary voice this episode? My my British, my little British school boy. It was terrible. (laughs) I didn't like it. Definitely fits the mood of the episode, which is extremely serious. <laughs> <laughs> jolly get on with it. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Julia is having her own magical adventure with that jerk from the bar last episode. Pete. I think his name's Pete. Whatever. That jerk from the bar. <laughs> she, <laughs> she asks about a star tattoo on his arm, and he says she'll have a bunch soon. But, hey, don't ask so many questions. Like, well, you're not really being forward with this freaking information, so... I it's a weird to... vibe. Yeah. And he has brought her to an abandoned old meatpacking warehouse full of literally, like, dead rats and trash. Never follow somebody you barely know to a meatpacking warehouse, everyone. Just don't do it. I mean, I yes, off that great, like, 30 Rock advice... Never follow a hippie to a second location. Never follow a magician to a second location. <laughs> that would it be wise. It is not safe and like drive yourself. Um, so here at the meatpacking warehouse, she meets Marina, who says she's a hedge witch. And we're like, hmm, what's that? I know. And- that's what I was thinking, too. It's like that was the first time I'd ever heard this term was from this show. And I'm like. 
Me too. And so I, I will do a little education. That, like it's not a term made up by the show. Like it, it it's um, uh, like a classic term for more like everyday witches, like kitchen witches, garden witches, um, like in the hedges. Uh, but we and Julia are like, what the fuck's a hedge? <laughs> <laughs> What's a what, hedge? What? Hmm? Right. So um, Marina asked Julia why she's here, if not for magic. And Julia says she's waiting for something interesting to happen. Oh, get ready, Julia. It's coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is not a show where you have to sit around waiting for something interesting to happen for very long. And it's a great setup to that jerk from the bar locking Julia and Marina in an active meat locker, a frozen meat locker. I'm like, what? Excuse me? What? Like, I'd be, I'd, I'd be freaking out about everything. I'd be like, oh, my God, we're going to lose oxygen. Is there going to be enough air? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to freak out. Like, I, I mean, yeah, that. you were already in an abandoned warehouse with a guy who maybe tried to assault you. And then you're trapped in a frozen meat locker with a stranger. Doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. And the best part is when Julia goes, dude, don't be an asshole. To the guy who's been nothing but an asshole since we met him. <laughs> Dude, don't be an asshole. And he's just like, <laughs> like I'm going to be an asshole. Okay. Literally, that's his whole vibe. That's all we know <laughs> about him. Like, maybe he has redeeming qualities, but so far, he's just awful. And so when she's like, I can't believe you did something to me that isn't great. It's like, really? Believe it. But, I mean, Julia is blinded in this quest for magic, and, like, we kind of get it. Yeah, it's true. Like, she has to know. Um, like, you feel for her because she's she's genuinely looking for something out of life here. And she doesn't know where to go. What is that face? Oh, I don't know. I was just watching. <laughs> and then you kept looking at me. And it made me laugh. I was like, uh-huh. I thought you froze kind of because you just kind of went, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is just like a well-oiled machine here. This is know, really just great. like flowing. We, we're in the flow. <laughs> All right. Um, the magician's wall title sequence. Bling, 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 bling. Tinkly mysterious credits. And then in a not subtle at all note to what just happened, Alice says back in the classroom, we were frozen. But um, <laughs> Julia's. In the meat locker. Yeah. Um, it's re- it's a subtle show. Uh, so Alice is describing <laughs> what happened in the classroom with the beast and his face made of moths and how he took over the entire room and everyone in it. Right. And we flash to the beast touching Quentin's face oh, and saying, let's just nip this all in the bud. Ooh. <laughs> Ew. Get Mothman out of my face. Yeah. And then you're like, wait. Why does he know Quentin? Quentin doesn't know anything. I know. But cut to Penny, who's also being interviewed. And he says the dean had something in his hand during the attack, but he doesn't know where it went. And it kind of looks like a watch, a pocket watch. Mm-hmm. But then we cut again. And Quentin is realizing that all those years he was doing card tricks, he was actually doing little pieces of subtle magic. Okay. Okay. And so Quentin is kind of putting pieces together as we are like assembling the pieces of what happened in the classroom. Right. So 
as he is having this realization, it's because this professor is like inspecting him through a mysterious device of lenses, like looking at his auras or magic or something. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is. It's just a fun touch. It's just, yeah, it's a fun little like, hey, I'm looking through like magical science. <laughs> yes. And then they brush a feather on his face where the beast touched him, which is, I guess, like magic fingerprinting. Um, Picking up that beast residue. Imagine, like, Break Bill's CSI. How much fun would that be? Oh, my God. The things they must deal with. Break Bill's CSI. Oh, my God. Like, when that third year class disappeared, that's a whole Break Bill's CSI episode. The shit they had to figure out. And they're like, we have to shelf this. We can't solve this mystery. And then we had that one guy, the new guy that comes in. He's going to solve that mystery. He's going to find out. I want to watch that show now. I do, too. <laughs> Sci-Fi Network, come on. We got your idea Great for you. CSI. I mean, we have endless city CSIs. Let's just, you know, up another layer and uh <laughs> and go a little goofy with it. Come on. It's time. Uh so we cut back to the attack and we see the beast after he had said like let's just nip this in the bud. He puts his hand over Quentin's mouth in like, like he's a very trying to suffocate him or something. Yes. Just a very threatening way when Dean Fogg goes, take this. And Quentin is able to mentally zoom over the watch and he clicks it. And I'm like, wait, is this a stopwatch? Like, was something going? I don't know. It's it's some kind of magical antidote. Right. We don't know like what it does or how, but then the beast, a little comically, I'll be honest, like whirls away in a cloud of moths and wind. Um, no. It's it's very like uh no very um, calabar. <laughs> yes, it is. It is um, allowing the students to flee. And Katie, who we haven't really seen much of yet, she casts some battle magic. By the way, that's that's hoop earring girl. We haven't learned her name Thank officially you. yet. Thank you. Sorry, I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember if we had learned her name. So hoop earring girl throws some battle magic at the beast, and we're all kind of like whoa, what's that? And why do you know how to do that? Uh, but in the present, she doesn't want to talk about it. She won't tell anybody about the battle magic. I know she's getting interviewed and she says something like, hey, I was trying to save everybody, you know, trying to defend herself. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's one thing. I'm like, you should have done battle magic. It's like, why? We were being battled. <laughs> right, we were literally I'm... being attacked. This is the time for it. It's time for it. I'm sorry you don't like it, but there it is. Bam, you know. Unfortunately, her magic is not that strong, and it makes sense because they're first years. And so her battle magic hits the beast, but he still comes at her and then, like, magically slams her against a desk, and she's out. Like He really flings the shit out of her. He's, oh, yeah. This is a battle. And then Penny sits over her, like, unsure what to do because, like, we don't know what he can do, but it's definitely not battle magic. Um, and then moths are dropping all around them as he's like kind of shielding her, but they can't really do anything. And the beast is closing in. And then Alice is behind the beast. And when he, it, he, the beast turns around, he grabs at his, at his, like where his throat would be as if he's being attacked. We don't see anything. Except Alice is driving the beast back towards the mirror where he came from. Mm-hmm. And the watch in Quentin's hand dissolves into dust. And he and Alice just kind of look at each other like, 
what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like they just share a confused look and then Penny throws a chair at the mirror and shatters it. And I'm like, no, Penny, you're going to get seven years bad luck. <laughs> you know, that's got to be true. You know, it's got to be true now. Yeah, but like least of your concerns here. Yeah, that's true. So as we watch this, this final part of the confrontation happen, we have a haunting narration from, okay, I can't remember if we learned her name yet. I'm calling her Professor Anne because her real name is Anne, the actress. <laughs> Professor Anne. And I can't, I couldn't think of what her name was and no one said it in this whole episode. I and think... I couldn't remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I called her investigator lady. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't know what to call her because she sticks around, but like I could not, like no one said her name. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm like, um, okay. Investigator lady. Yeah. She's like, they're investigating how the beast got in and quote, resetting everyone. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah. So this, uh, this professor, investigator, consultant, whoever she is, like she seems to know more about what happened that she's letting on. Mm -hmm. And she even like narrates. We live in a world that is one among many. The beast you saw was from one such place. Mm. Like, this is like the second week at Break Bills. So. <laughs> <laughs> or so we feel like it is. <laughs> or so we feel. Um, I mean, Quentin is still new. He's learning. We know, like, they've just started classes recently. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is a big deal. But anyway. Um, the beast is gone now, as far as they can tell. Like, no evidence. But since Breakbill's wards are coded to each person on campus, someone may have been responsible for letting the beast in. Uh-oh. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of lets that implication linger in front just of everyone. Just to let you know, we know one of you did this. <laughs> and then she's like, and the wards are being reset and classes are canceled until Wednesday. Oh, and by so, the way, there'll be a quiz in two days. No big deal. Just fuck your PTSD. <laughs> I mean, that's the logline for this show. Mm, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. It's, it's understood. Uh, so they rush out and Quentin grabs Alice and is like, we did that spell. What if they find out? Very fair question, Quentin. Yeah. You really should have just been up front with this shit. <laughs> it's not going to get easier to keep this secret. But there's no time to chat because right away, Elliot and Margot usher them away and they're like, let's make this show a million times more fun. <laughs> Elliot's like, Jesus, you didn't tell me you were dangerous. Mm, that's Elliot's whole vibe. Like that. <laughs> mm. That sound like that's Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just his look and everything. Yeah. Yes. Julia's traumatic magical adventure, meanwhile, is still happening. She is shivering, trapped in this freezing meat locker with Marina, who is literally no help. Right. But you know what? Julia's pretty confident, though. She's like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. Oh, yeah. Julia is searching everywhere. She knows this is a test. She knows she can figure it out. She's so determined that she's like, I'm going to get this. And then she literally falls over a corpse. Oh, my God. That just, oh, my God. No. <laughs> so not only are we trapped in a freezing meat locker trying to get our way out, there's a dead body in here. 
So my biggest thing would be like, oh my God, they killed somebody and they put him in here. Oh my God, right? That's the first thing I'm thinking. And they're trying to kill me now. These fucking witches are going to kill us. That's what it felt like to me. That's what I would think. 100%. First thing. 100%. Julia's not really concerned. She's like, oh, there's a body here. Oh, crap. But okay, I got to get out of this room. Like, what? Okay. Julia is the definition of a one track mind Mm, as we, until later in the show, like this is her mission. Mm -hmm. She will achieve this no matter what, but we cut away and it's time to uh, find out more about the physical kids cottage. As Elliot (laughs) says, it's the coolest place on campus. I love when he goes, Vada Kedavra and like gets her ready to leave the room. I mean, it's literally, it's basically a magical frat house. That's basically all it is. Yeah. Like, it's a it's a mixed gender frat house. Like, the. Fred, Fred Storchny? I don't know how you say that. Yeah, that's what they call them. <laughs> Fred Storchny. <laughs> I can't really say it. Party house. It's a party yeah. house. Um, Elliot literally starts making a cocktail right away because there's a stopped bar right when you walk in. And Margot pulls Alice away to try on a dress. I'm like, why is she investing so much time in Alice all of a sudden? Hmm? Yeah. Suspicions. Um, Be suspicious of everyone, Quentin, please. Uh, But he's not. He's so desperate for belonging and acceptance. And so we cut to him um, having told Elliot all about the spell. Oh, my God. I was just like, you really don't know him well enough, Quentin, to just start telling him about this crap right now. because dark secret. Everybody knows somebody did something, and now you're basically saying, it was me. Ha <laughs> ha. You don't even know this person. You don't. Uh, yeah. And then Elliot. And he's always drunk, too. So it's like, you know, he could just, because, you know, the truth comes out when you're drunk. So it's like, when you're drinking, and you're just going to start <laughs> spilling the beans. It's literally like, Quentin, could you found a worse person on campus to confess this to? Probably not. Except for the fact that uh, Elliot just like flicks his cigarette and is like, and you thought that was a good idea? (laughs) That's all he said. (laughs) He's very like, not shocked, but very judgmental about it. Like, Yeah, yeah. He's judging, but he's like, and? And then he goes... Look, every few years, there's a bad story. Something took out the entire third year class. These things happen. Like, that's literally, he's like unruffled. Right. He's but I love like, how he's, he goes, he also says, monsters from another world, please, by all means, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it's very droll. It's very like, oh, of course. Sure. Of course you did that, you little idiot. But yeah. at the same time, so does everybody else. Like it's a it's it's a good reality check for us and Quentin because we're also like, oh my god, Quentin, you fucked up so bad. You fucked up so bad, you have no idea. And it's a good character building thing for Elliot because you kind of see how he's so indifferent and so blase, you know, about Yeah. But it's it's like there's real things below it. It's not that he doesn't know about the bad things. Right. But he's like given up. He's pretty bitter, you know. Right, this is how he's dealing with the fact that that's reality. Right. Where he's just I love like, his hair here, though. <laughs> he has very, like, sense and sensibility hair going on. He does. He, I mean, he, he is the drama. Like, that just, like, when you see him, you're like, yeah. he is the moment. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I am the moment. 
I am the drama. That's exactly <laughs> like I know that stuff. We weren't saying it back in 2016, but like it, it fits his character. <laughs> I am um, the moment. Meanwhile, so so yeah, Elliot is unruffled. Quentin, who is like always ruffled, is like freaking out. Oh he God, is- just like. <laughs> He just has a way of whining about saying anything, and he whines. It's- yes, he is. He is having a full existential breakdown at the idea of losing all the stuff that he just found and going back to his life of depression and pointlessness. And he literally says, "I can't go back." Like he's been in prison for fifty years. <laughs> like the spell was just broken. He's literally just like, "I can't. I can't go back." And it's like, <laughs> what I wrote is. I can't go back, he says, like a man hardened by years of prison and not simply the life that you and I must live. And he's like 22. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really rough, bud. So like it is a little hard to be like, I mean, Quentin, knowing all of this was on the line. Why did you do what you did, you little idiot? Like, take this seriously. But the smart girl told him it would be okay, Right. Like, it's so frustrating because you're like, Quentin, yeah. You're saying the right things, but you're doing the stupid ones. And like, stop. If this is literally life or death for you, why would you risk throwing it away on something this dumb? If you're you not just a teenager. stop and think, just stop for a second and go, all right. And then have a little backbone as yes. well. Then he would be okay because he's, he's an intelligent person. He figures things out. But it's like, dude, why are you doing the dumb thing on a, on a whim? His- his you know. first instinct is usually bad, and he hasn't learned that yet. Right. Um, so Elliot is just observing this like raw vulnerability that's literally like pouring off of Quentin <laughs> as he's like <laughs> existentializing. And then, especially when Quentin like looks at him through his hair with one eye and he looks like a serial killer. He does. He does a good job of that. Like, and he goes, Now, can you just help me live with myself? You're like, oh, my God. So after all this, I wrote down, like, show Quentin, like I said before, a million times more likable than book Quentin, but he's still mostly insufferable. Oh, yeah. He's still the least likable character, really. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And in a way to illustrate this, Elliot turns around and shows a little darkness and vulnerability of his own in exchange for what Quentin just shared. And Elliot shares that he killed someone. When he was 14, with magic, unintentionally, but he killed someone and he takes responsibility for it. Yeah. It was like, I was like, oh my God, who did he kill? And it's like, oh, basically a bully. And he basically, I don't know, I guess he pushed the kid out in front of the bus. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things with his that mind. isn't really acceptable, but when you're a teenager, you do things like that that you don't realize will have the consequences and then yeah. you add in magic. It's and... like when you just you 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 don't think you're just mad so you like you know shoulder yeah, bump somebody exactly. and you're like, oh you just started something. You shouldn't have done that, you know? Yes. Or like I remember when I was in high school someone was annoying me with like a paper trumpet and I shoved the paper back in their face, intending only to like push the paper. And I ended up like Smacking them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And of course, they were like, the fuck? <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> and I just had to be like, um, you were annoying me. Sorry. And like turned back around. 
<laughs> but like, oh. I didn't, I didn't mean to. It's not the same. But Elliot is just trying to be like, look, we're all dealing with some trauma here. Because Quentin starts to go like, if you're trying to tell me, it gets better. And Elliot goes, no, God, no, it doesn't. I'm trying to tell you that you're not alone here. Which Hard is a really advice. great, but it's it's like the core of this show. It's not going to give you the fantasy BS where magic makes everything better. We're going to talk seriously about, like, as Elliot says, magic doesn't come from talent. It comes from pain. And I believe that, though. You know what I mean? Like, when you're really feeling it. Yeah. You know, sometimes, I don't know, I feel a little more connected to things in a way. I feel like when your emotions get heightened, you feel like maybe you could manifest something. Like right. you could gather energy or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, you just have um, this like, yeah, you're deep in the feels. Yeah. So Elliot and Quentin have like some real moments of like humanity here mm-hmm. sitting outside where they're vulnerable. In total contrast, upstairs, Margot and Alice are sitting on a bed and like soft music is playing. Everything is kind of like light and pinkish and like a little more muted and Alice is drinking something like out of a bottle I think (laughs) and Margot's not so secretly interrogating her (laughs) oh my gosh yeah Margot is like uh do you know what the beast was and Alice is like no and Margot's like I'm surprised since uh, your family gets up to some crazy shit, right? <laughs> Which is like so subtle. Margot is so subtle. <laughs> I love Margot though. And Alice gets really uncomfortable. And we already know she doesn't like talking about her family. Right. She doesn't She doesn't really even talk about them, even though people keep trying. You're just like, but, drop it, Margot. Drop it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Alice is like visibly awkward. Like her body isn't, she's clearly not like, feeling at ease with Margot. She doesn't want to share. But Margot keeps asking specific questions, getting her to try to open up. Like, how did you get into break bills? Uh, I heard you weren't invited to take the exam. How did you find the school if you weren't invited? And Alice is kind of like, oh, it's easy. And Margot's like, aren't we kind of in like the Bermuda Triangle of upstate New York? And, like, people intentionally can't find it. Yeah, Alice is kind of being a little shady, like, with this, like, come on. We're just wondering. I'm just wondering how you found the place. Come on. I mean, okay, this line of questioning is 100% fair because Margot is basically asking, like, could the Beast have just gotten in here? Did you just get in here? Or did someone help you? Like, it's directly relevant to what just happened to them. Right. But Alice is really cagey. And then she says she stole an alumni key from her parents. And Margot is super skeptical. And I am too, because it still doesn't answer how she found the school. She even says, like, those are supposed to be unstealable. Right. And then Alice says, well, I stole it. Right. And we're all like, something isn't adding up here. And we don't vibe with Margot yet because we don't really know her. We don't vibe with Alice because, like, she's been weird. But we're like, something isn't right here. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Alice calls out Margot's BS. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think Alice is evil. I'm not getting that feeling. I just think, like, everybody has secrets, and these people just met each other. And so, like, it's a good contrast to how Quentin is like, this is my deepest, darkest secret, and Alice is like, um, I'm going to go. 
what you know, I love they, about, <laughs> you know, we're talking about the Alice storyline and whatnot. Like she starts off as like, quote, typical smart girl. But you start seeing like, yeah, even smart people don't make really good decisions. <laughs> we actually don't know how smart she is either. Right. Like, I don't want to even say she's smart because so far she's been really fucking dumb. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, she, I'm talking about book smart. You know what I mean? Studies yeah. smart. Not um, smart. <laughs> and then, like, Margot keeps pushing and Alice says she just wanted to go to school, which repeats something she said in episode one and is just, like, profoundly sad. Yeah. Like, Alice has said multiple times now she wanted to go to school and not be with her family. Um, and Margot doesn't pick up on that shit at all. And she keeps pushing, and Alice is eventually like, why do you keep asking me all these questions? Why do you want to know this stuff? I, I love that about Alice, where she's just like, she cards on the it. table. Yeah, call like, it out. What are you doing? And Margo's like, I want to be your friend, girl. And Alice is like, I don't think you do. Yes, thank you. Direct <laughs> communication. Call her out for that shit. And then Alice leaves, and we're like, yeah, what is going on here? Yeah, what is up with Margot? Why right. is she being that way? But we also, or at least I didn't get the vibe that Margot is evil either. Like, I, we can't really tell what she is thinking or wants. She's mischievous, sure. Right, and like, her vibe and Elliot's vibe are both so odd and unlike any other characters that you're like, what do they want? What are they interested in here? Um, because why is Elliot so interested in Quentin? Considering how fucking annoying he is. Oh, my God. Right? Anyway, we cut back to the icebox. Because while Quentin is having all these adventures at Break Bills, Marina and Julia are looking through all the papers in the in the meat locker. Time to read. Well, Which, you I mean, know. that just screams to me, hey, this is a test. No time like the present. You know? <laughs> Yeah, we but left also, all these papers in a meat locker. What? <laughs> I know it's like a video game yeah. where you have to click on like the right paper, and it's like journal entries, and you're like, "Oh, what happened to the professor?" <laughs> <laughs> but while they're reading, the the asshole from the bar comes back to check on them, and is like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And he distracts them while he basically revives the dead body to chase them around the meat locker. <laughs> Let's wake the dead guy up. Run, Julia, run. I mean, I get it. The asshole from the bar is like, I think they need more motivation because, like, he's an asshole. <laughs> and that's what assholes do. Um. So then Julia has to, like, kill him again, like this corpse zombie that has come alive. Did she stab um, him or did she, like, push him up against something that went through and that impaled him? Yeah, she didn't directly kill him, which I feel like is very purposeful, so we don't see our main character, like, murdering a body, especially, like, it's a black man. Um, and he, like... Murdering an already dead body, but yes. <laughs> but still, like, it's not the best, like, yeah, this it's not is the best test image. for her, and they're making, like, an object out of, like, a, a man's body. Um, but yeah, he, she pushes him, he gets impaled on like a thing and Marina starts melting down in the background of just like, oh my God, he's dead. What the fuck? Like, we're never going to get out of here. Um, and then this is, this is like real horror movie shit. Pete starts speaking through the corpse yeah, and that tells was them to find their way out. And if they can't get through this, they definitely can't hack magic. And he's like, Julia, did you really look everywhere? And I'm not going to lie. 
she goes back to the body bag and finds the spell. And I was like, oh, I thought he meant inside the body. Uh, Like, I thought that was the one place they hadn't looked was inside the body. And I thought he was going to make them, like, open up the corpse. (laughs) But no, she just has to go look in the bag. And there's, like, a spell for temporary warmth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is kind of easy if you ask me. Yeah, they could have looked through the bag anyway. Oh, um, bag. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, there might be stuff inside this bag. Shocking, Julia. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we cut back because Julia's thing is going to go on like all day. Julia's having a whole test day. And Quentin is already seeking refuge back in the fillery books. <laughs> He's yeah okay so I wrote this note he's in the coffee shop or something now again and I'm like all of a sudden we've got this bisexual lighting the blue and the pink (laughs) throughout the entire coffee shop and I'm like what's going on here (laughs) I did notice the lighting and I was like oh that's different it's just different from the other scenes we've been in the lighting where you're like what's this mood (laughs) um and then Alice comes up and is like are you reading a kid's book? And that's when I would have been like, Alice, I'm done with your shit. Okay. I helped you do this like maybe evil spell. And now we're all going to get expelled. I'm out. Okay. Let me read my fucking children's book. Get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> like I just. <laughs> it is pop-up book. It is a pop-up fillery book. I'm already done with Alice and her shit. If you can't tell. like <laughs> She's so, so self-centered. She is. And like, so is Quentin. They're both self-centered they express it in different ways, but Alice has already looped someone into her shit. And so I'm like, you need to get away. You need to stop obsessing. Um, but she's not because when she comes up to him, he tries to talk about the spell that they did. Cause he's like all twisted up about it. Cause yeah, they might get expelled. And she's like, look, I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know you. And he goes, well, I don't know you either, except we summoned a killer mothman from another world. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> it's really good. And Alice says she dragged him into this and he should kind of hate her. And I'm like, yeah, I hate you. <laughs> like, you're right. Um, She's so narrow minded about her brother. Like, that's really what it is. It's not that I hate her as a person. It's that like. She has tunnel vision about her brother and she's not taking in any information and she's not thinking about Quentin as his own person. And like, yeah, she's just being very self-centered in a way that's like, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. No. <laughs> Hit her with the rolled up newspaper. <laughs> yeah, stop it. No. Hit her with the fillery book. No. <laughs> also, read some kids books and chill for a second. <laughs> Have a little fun. <laughs> um. She's 22 going on 88. Seriously, just sit down and read a book. Stop trying to summon demons. (laughs) Anyway, so that sigil that was on his hand, the one that she thinks is from her brother because everything is about her brother, he says he thinks it's actually connected to Fillory. (gasps) Oh, no. And Alice is extremely skeptical. And I'm like, pot, kettle, shut up, Alice. (laughs) Like... Anyway, Quentin is like, he's onto something bigger. He's like, maybe the beast came from Fillory. And this is like, whoa, maybe it did. And why couldn't it be? He says, the Chatwins were real and they live next to the author. 
He's so frustrated. She doesn't already know this stuff. Why don't you know this shit, Alice? Everybody <laughs> you knows know it. everything, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one thing you don't know. They didn't it's say hilarious. the movie wasn't called Go Ask Quentin. It was called Go Ask Alice. You know why, Alice? Because you're supposed to know everything, Alice. <laughs> I think I killed Orlean. <laughs> it's just so funny. Um, like he's so frustrated, and it's so, it's so funny to laugh at him. But like, I get it. Like, imagine if you recently discovered magic was real, like just happened, and then you heard that Hogwarts might actually exist, and then you had to explain what Hogwarts is to a fellow magician. <laughs> You'd be like, what are we doing here? I don't know. Of course, Alice feels the same way about all of magic. Because mm-hmm. Quentin knows nothing. And she's like, how do you know nothing? So anyway, they are going to be like BFFs, you can tell, because they're vibing so well right now. They're definitely the Ross and Rachel of this show. Yeah, in that they hate each other from the very beginning. Yes. <laughs> and they're kind of dicks to each other. Um, anyway, so I don't know how Quentin convinces Alice to go watch a movie about Christopher Plover, the author of the Fillory books. I have such like a hatred for his last name. Plover? Yeah, because I just want to say plumber so bad. <laughs> But you can't because it's not his you name. Can't. That's somebody else. <laughs> so they pull up this documentary, I guess, about Christopher Plover, and they learn that two of the neighborhood kids ended up disappearing. And she's like, huh, that's really weird. And he's like, that's why people love the books. <laughs> <laughs> because they feel real. Right. He's like, oh, my God, you get it. You get it. Right. And she's like, the, uh, the chat wins. Yes. It's so, he's just, he's so obsessed that I laughed like every time that he was so frustrated that she didn't know everything about Fillory. He, <laughs> That's like, what the, the books. <laughs> the acting is just so excellent. Like, oh my excellent. God. I just, uh, wrote, I think I wrote a note that said, focus on break builds, cues, stop at the Fillory shit for one minute and just think of the task at hand. <laughs> no, he's, so this is what's funny about Quentin is you just know, like, he was obsessed with break bills for, like, a second. And then he was like, oh, okay, I've accepted it. It's real. I have it. Now I'm going to stress about losing it. Like, he doesn't enjoy break bills. Mm-mm. He doesn't enjoy being there and, like, having this. Now he's, now, he's like, gonna, now he's obsessing about, he's starting to obsess about Fillory again. And it's like, ugh. Yes. Which does sound like a thing he's done forever. So it's just like break bills was a brief moment of light in between like fillery obsessions. Mm-hmm. And what room are they standing in, by the way? It's like this hallway with like a one oh, stream of I light don't... and all these crystal chimes <laughs> hanging around. It's like really what? cool. And it's that's really... where they're watching this. I'm like, this is where you pick to watch this. I know. Also, don't you have like dorms? Like, where are they? They're in this dark hallway. And maybe like a small turret with like a sky view or something. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Um, and then Alice goes, is this what happened to Charlie? And we're all like, oh, my God, Alice, go to therapy. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> stop, stop saying Charlie. I, fuck your brother. I'm sorry. Like, I'm already tired of you being like, and that's Charlie. And this is about Charlie. Nothing's about Charlie. I'm sorry. Charlie? This show is not called Charlie and the Magicians. 
But the lighting in the scene I wrote down is so cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, in a stunning reversal, um, Alice refuses to go down this fantasy road with him. Like, even though he jumped on with her and her crazy thing, he's like, no. Or she's like, no, we just need to get our story straight about the spell. I mean, she's she's so self-centered and so dismissive. Right. She's not even open to being like, wow, this is such a weird thing you're coming up with. Tell me more. She's just mm-hmm. like, is that where Charlie is? Girl, there are other things <laughs> no. going on here. No, well, then it's not here. Gail. <laughs> the beast just attacked. Yeah. And Alice doesn't even care about the beast. Like, she's not even thinking about that. That's how focused she is on her brother. She's obsessed. just like, obsessed. yeah, yes. ab- completely obsessed. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to Professor Anne. I just used Professor Anne. Investigator lady. Investigator lady writing up notes, probably of the investigation, when a (laughs) folder opens by itself on a nearby desk and a red spot is glowing on the map. Hmm. What does it mean? Who is she tracking? Or what is she tracking? Hmm. Meanwhile, Penny is leaving. And do we know her name yet? Hoop Earring Girl is trying to persuade him to stay. Hearing people's thoughts is the least of my problems, he tells her. He hears a voice. (laughs) It's the least of my problems. And he hears a voice. He says, it's a really clear one. It's another magician. Someone who's been teaching him magic. But then, that same voice called him into that classroom to help during the attack. Hmm. And Hoop Earring Girl goes, what, the beast talks to you? Does anybody know? And he's like, no, I got scammed. Now it's over. I'm getting the fuck out of here. And Hoop Earring Girl is like, you were tricked. And this is the one place with experts who might be able to help. And that is a really smart statement. Right. That's This true. might be the only place. She seems like the most empathetic character so far. <laughs> I agree. She cares about someone else's concerns. Yeah. <laughs> um. But he still wants to go, even though we're like, where would you go? What would you do? I mean, we don't know anything about him yet, but still, like. You don't have a shirt on. You just have a vest. You don't have a shirt. <laughs> like, so. You what are can't you do go about? in most commercial buildings. No, you can't do it. <laughs> Sorry, Penny. But yeah, we we just know, like, he's trying to get out. And then Hoop Erling Girl is like, well, if you're going to leave the school anyway. Might as well have some fun first. She says, come do something stupid with me. And I'm like, you mean bang it out, girlfriend? Like, (laughs) that's what it sounds like. Again, it's like week two at Break Bells. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, well, let's go. But then, mood chiller, we go from flirting and birds chirping to the icebox, where Julia and Marina are freezing to death trying to figure out this warm spell. Yeah, and it's funny because Marina apparently knows a little more than she's letting on because she somehow conveniently remembered a fact about, like, some ingredient they need. Oh, well, before that happens, Marina calls Julia a bitch and is like, are you even serious about this? And Julia is like, yeah, I took the break bills exam. I flunked out. And now that I know what real magic is, like, nothing else matters. What did they expect her to do? She asks. And it's like, 
yeah, very fair. You can't, nothing is 100%. There's no way that memory spell would work 100% on everyone who fails out. It's a terrible system. And somebody's, you know, their will to remember might just push it out, you know, so. Right, like we know there's no way Julia is the only person who has ever thought of trying to remember, right? Like it yeah. already opens up a hole in the system where what I love is break bills you're already seeing like is not at all perfect, even though it's a magic school. It has all kinds of problems and holes and gaps, like anything in the world. <laughs> yeah. I do like it, though. I mean, I like that because that feels like what a magic school would be. You can't fix everything with magic. Right. There are still going to be problems. Anyway, they are looking for fat for the spell because that's like the last thing they need. They're fat. in a meat locker. There should be meat hanging around. <sighs> Which also, like... They can't find any meat. And I'm going to be honest. My first thought was like, my body? Like, oh, I have fat on me. Yeah, but I thought she was going to like cut herself or something. Yeah, Right. But they both look to the corpse. Ugh. It's so wild because like Julia is in a horror movie and Quentin is in like a melodrama. She's in like magic <laughs> saw. Yes. Ah. <laughs> uh. Um, back at the physical house where I guess like Quentin and Elliot and Alice, no, wait, Alice left with Quentin to watch the video. Right. Um, but Penny and Hoop Earring Girl stop by to steal some shit. They grab some wine and a crystal and a book while everybody else is partying. They just kind of slip in, steal some stuff. No one notices. Hoop Earring Girl seems to know exactly what she's looking for, which makes it seem less like let's just grab some wine bottles and go fuck. But we don't know what's up. We're just like, okay, cool. Let's steal some shit. And Penny's like, okay. No problem. Yeah, sure. All right. Um, And they have a moment and she tries to get him to stay again. And they almost kiss. And we're like, ooh, is it more than just sex? Um, But then Quentin and Alice appears. Hey. And then. Uh, investigator lady. Investigator lady appears with a tiny book. And she says she found the most interesting thing buried in the woods. Uh-oh. Dun, dun, dun. Yikes. Zoinks. And then there's more interviews because that's what you do at Break Bills. You get interviewed about uh, incidents. <laughs> that's Interrogations. So through the cuts, like Quentin is flustered because just perpetual statement. Quentin is flustered. He's stuttering Tied mess. On to all the sentences we say. Alice is cool because, and I don't mean like, oh, she's cool. I mean, like, she's literally like chill about this. She's not freaking out. She's just like, yeah, what do you want? That's a little um, sociopathic in a way. I don't love Alice. I think she's a <laughs> little, a, yeah. you know, like I wouldn't be BFFs with her. No. I wouldn't trust her 100%. Um, and then Hoopierian Girl, like, doesn't care at all. She's like, I, I have nothing to do with this. She's in pure denial mode. <laughs> like, nope. I don't even know what this is. And Investigator Lady says this book is connected to the summoning of the beast. Okay. And then we don't know what Penny says in the rest of his interview because we don't see it. But then he walks out. He looks at Hoopierian Girl and says, we're good. And then he tells Quentin and Alice... You're welcome, by the way. And then he leaves. When he gives, he gives Quentin a little kiss. A, a little, little yeah, kiss. a little, little air kiss. It's and we're hot, like, you know. So what did Penny say in there? And then Quentin is asked in to the office. 
And then we cut to him returning his books to the library because he's being expelled and they're bringing in a specialist to make sure his memory is extra wiped. Oh, poor Quentin. And then Elliot comes up and he's not taking this seriously at all. Like Quentin is like melting into a puddle of despair, which is Quentin. Um, It's hard to even take him seriously as he gets deeper into it because it's like, you were never up. I know. It's like, dude, come on. How when were you up? Was it that one day for that one moment that you were up at that time I noticed it? You know, I mean, <laughs> No, we've never seen him smile. Stop. <laughs> I know. And, you know, the one thing I also – and that's what we were wondering. We come back to why is, you know, indifferent Elliot so invested in him? Yeah, it's a great question because, like, sure, he met him that first day for five seconds to walk him to the exam room. But it's not like they have a deep connection. No. Um, and Quentin is so sad – so sad that he tries to call Julia, who doesn't answer, and we're like, yeah, she's probably still mad at you last time for being such a jerk, even though we know where she really is. Like, mm-hmm. why would she answer his call anyway? She just want to hear from his condescending ass. And let's hear why. Because he apologizes. And as, as we hear his apology, we watch Julia cut into the corpse with scissors. <laughs> It's an amazing contrast of, like, sad Quentin, who fucked up his own opportunity for no reason, to Julia, who is literally, like, hands deep in a corpse trying to achieve magic. Going full badass mode. Yes. And Quentin just goes on, and he's just like, tell me how you remember it. I want to know how you remember This isn't about Julia at all. Damn it, Quentin. Like, I'm so mad because Julia is cutting into a corpse. And Quentin threw his chance away and is now coming to her for help after he refused to help her. Refused. Selfish. And what I'm saying is that Jason Ralph is very likable. <laughs> like, that's the important part here because we're still watching. Yeah. He's cute. Um, he's cute, though, you know. So he, I think what he gives Quentin is a level of empathy that we can sense that we don't get from, like, book Quentin. Right. It it gives you that it's that level of empathy to where you're like, I really wouldn't like this guy, but you understand somewhat of in a way that like he's, he's just messed not, up and he's at, and it's just how he is. He's just right. You know. He's dysfunctional, but he's not evil or bad. Right. Just like he's likeable. dysfunctional <laughs> and he's dumb and he makes bad choices, but like yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, Julia did the spell. Julia did the spell. They have heat. Made it warm. Success. Magic. Magic. And now they have to find their way out. And you're like, yes, Julia. Yes. Do it. Kick ass. I, I'm a big fan of Julia. Like, do I think she's making the best choices? No. But I, I admire the, like, determination. Yeah. And then I said, shut up, Quentin, and take your sad music with you. <laughs> but... Instead of looking inside himself for anything, Quentin picks a fight with Penny and is like, you ratted me out. He just runs up to him and just ram, like pushes him. Quentin's first instinct is never good. That's a good rule of thumb. Because, yeah, you also don't know like what Penny can do back to you. You should not just attack a person because you don't know what they can come back with. And regardless of magic school or not, like that's a general yeah, you just don't. For life, like you don't know what someone could do to you. If 
pushed. You better know you have a, a, a way bigger <laughs> upper hand just in case, you know? Exactly. And like, Penny is having none of it. He's like, I told the truth. Yeah. Quentin's being a baby. Um, punches and him in the face. And, yeah. Quentin literally gets smacked down. And like any responsible person, Penny tries to walk away then because he doesn't want to be in a fight. Nobody wants to be in a fight. He just defended himself. That's all. Right. And then he's like, I'm I'm not fighting with you. But Quentin, our little idiot, <laughs> thinks back to the battle magic that he saw Katie cast for like three seconds. Or- Hoop Earring Girl. <laughs> yeah. Quentin cast the battle magic that he saw Hoop Earring Girl cast in the background, but he didn't really learn it and he doesn't really know it and he's weak. And so it just bounces off Penny or he like defends it. We're not totally sure. But like it ricochets off. And it hits Quentin, and he goes flying comically backwards. <laughs> whap, 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 whap. Like, as if launched from a cannon. Yeah, <laughs> it's very Muppety. Flying through the air. <laughs> it's very great gonzo. It's, it's very ridiculous to where you're like, is this funny? Is this supposed to be funny? <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, so. it's funny when somebody, you know, like even, even he says karma. That's karma for you. It's just very cartoon. It's like literally what happens in Sky High. Yeah. Yeah. It did look very Sky <laughs> High like. Yes. Yeah, um, but anyway, fuck Quentin. Fuck fuck him for now. Back with the winners, we watch Julia blast the door off the icebox and walk out. And we're like, yes, Julia, yes. <laughs> queen, magic queen. Like, and then she says her piece. And then that jerk Pete, like, stand up and claps. And he says, the test was important because you have to remember, not everything gets solved with magic. If you forget that, you won't last a month. Just like Quentin. <laughs> like, I, the, the, the themes in this episode are not subtle, but they parallel really nicely. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, I'm done trying to impress you, Pete. Fuck you. Finally. Yes, Julia. <laughs> See... Julia was temporarily down, but that's not where she lives, like no. Quentin. And then that's when Marina speaks up and goes, I'm who you're trying to impress. I'm top bitch in New York. She's a level 50 star. And she shows off a whole arm of tattoos. Like, okay, here's what I have to say about these tattoos. Why not? Just make one star that you gradually fill in when you get to different levels. And then when you get to a certain level, huge, you just have a, the one star overall. And that way you don't have a whole bunch a of stars right over your damn arm. It's a status symbol. But still, then that would still be your status symbol by how much it's filled in, you know? Yeah, but it's not as, like, glanceable. Like, when you just see someone right away, it's that, like, instant, like, you can place them. Yeah, I guess so. And that's why Marina hides it. Um, but I love when she's like, I'm top bitch in New York. I just, it's my favorite. I love Marina <laughs> so much. Like the whole episode, you're like, who is this bitch Marina who's not helping? And then you're like, <gasps> she's top bitch in New York. <laughs> and Julia is similarly like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? How could you mess with my head like that? How can I trust you now? And Marina says, why would you ever trust anyone? Mm. And like, at that moment, you're like, Julia, you are not prepared for these people and how they behave. But like, ready or not, she is in. Yeah, you got to take she's that in offer. The club. <laughs> and they go to get a drink because you're in. 
I, I need a drink after all that for sure. You would you would need a drink, several drinks. Um, and then we fly back to break bills in the infirmary, where Quentin is having his arm fixed magically, and Quentin screams because obviously, like mending broken bones would still. She like, tells him it's gonna burn. It should. And Penny laughs at him and says, real magicians protect themselves. And then he pulls out the crystal that they stole from the physical house. And you're like, don't show your hand, man. But I'm like, did you know that did that? Like, did you take it on purpose to protect yourself? Like, from anything? She got it. Well, she got it for him. She got it. But did he take it? Yeah. Oh, no. She gave it to him. She got it for him. Yes. And then anyway, anyway, Quentin is like super perturbed. We'll add that adjective onto him. And like, again, get used to it. <laughs> Quentin Sorry, is buddy. often perturbed when he's not despairing. <laughs> we just but need to make like vocabulary words of the week. I have a lot of uh, descriptive adjectives to just create some like more variation in here. Um, but we aren't done yet with Marina and Pete. For this episode we cut to them sitting in a dark car waiting for someone at night she'll come marina says maybe she's done with your shit pete says that's what i was like okay they're waiting for julia that's what you're thinking right right and then marina says she doesn't have a choice and when she arrives it's not julia it's katie and she finally says her name katie hoop earring girl and she was stealing stuff from the physical cottage for Marina. <gasps> and the crystal was for Marina, not Penny. Yeah. And she also wanted, um, was there a book she wanted too? Yeah. So she hands over one book, but then she says she'll find another one, whatever Marina wants and more. And then Marina's great. Like, great. I have a list right here. Get me the ship by next week or else. I'm and like, we're like, <gasps> what is going on here? I know. I'm like, so she's like a double agent. Well, what I love about this moment is up until literally this moment, we've been presented with like, break bills is this one world and these hedge witches are another. And then what we see here is, oh no, much like the real world, like there are connections, there are people who move between these worlds, there are people who know things they shouldn't. And there are power dynamics here that we and Quentin know nothing about. Same with Julia. It's kind of, it's very political. Like, you know, break bills is like the upper class and hedge witches are like the bottom, you know, lower class. But as we will start to learn, is there a good reason for that? Or is this just like the social structure that has been established and is now being upheld by people like Quentin when they get in? Yeah. Who coincidentally is a straight white man, but I don't know if that commentary is here. So, (laughs) but I'm just saying he is kind of like upholding, like as soon as he gets let in the club, he starts keeping other people out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it's like, did he really deserve it? Did he really, or do they just need him for something? You know? So it's like, well, also I think it really gets into around Quentin, the whole idea of the word deserve when you're in stories like this. Yeah. Does anyone deserve magic? No. No. (laughs) So, like, you're already like, well, none of these people earned this. So we're already at a weird place with it. Like, anyway. (laughs) 
we'll get more into that as things go on. Um, but unfortunately, Quentin has not learned his lesson and is still up to more of his shit. Ugh. We see him standing over a sleeping penny, stealing the crystal back. I was so nervous. I was like, oh, Quentin, your I face is going to get smashed like, in again. Better watch you're, out. You're going to get your face smashed in. Um, so he steals the crystal and then walks into, I think it's the dean's office or the investigator's office, but it's neither of them. It's that woman. You were there the day of the alumni interview, Quentin says. She was the paramedic. Mm. She says her name is Eliza and that she was there to ensure Quentin made it to break bills. What? Her name's Eliza. There's so many machinations. Quentin thanks her, but says he screwed it up. I wish she had been like, yeah, who's surprised? But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, he mentions that Breakbills is calling in a specialist for him, and she goes, eh, mm, that's me. Oh, Let's sit down. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> hurting me. Okay. Yeah. Because what's he going to do? Run? No. He's a weak, weak boy. Like, theoretically, he could run and, like, try to escape, but he's just like, Yep, this is my fate. Of course it is. I'm such a sad boy. And anyway, before they get into it, he says, why did you give me that book? Book six, Fillory and Further. And she says, I thought you'd appreciate it. He says, I lost it. And she goes, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> I guess I was wrong. I love when people smack down Quentin like this. <laughs> it's like, you couldn't even keep hold of a book. But no, she actually says, things with Fillory are funny that way. Implying. Implying. Um, anyway, he says, is Fillory real? And she says, what does it matter if you're going to forget again? Ouch. I know. Ouch. Rub that salt in the wound. <laughs> and he's like, Okay, fine, do it. And he literally scrunches up his eyes and shrinks down in the chair. And he's like, okay, do it. <laughs> like it hurts or something. I'm like, I don't think it hurts. I think it's just kind of. But she laughs and stands up and says, you're a much better liar than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> what? And he says, you're not extraordinary. You do magic, but you're not special. You're smart, but not a genius. And you're so desperate to belong that you forget why you're here. And he says, why am I here? And she says that she also dreamed of Fillory. She's met the beast. She asks Quentin, do you think you have a destiny? And he says, yes. And she says, yes, I used to believe that crap too when I was young. Like, I, I just love her her whole I know, vibe. and I'm like, oh, but the one thing I had to say about this was like, okay, so there is no destiny now. How can you say that when you're openly trying to get him to reach some sort of destiny? <laughs> so then she gives us like kind of an answer, but not really. And she says, there is no destiny, no born heroes. I can't tell you why the beast came sniffing for you. There's no reason it should be you. You can either step to it or not. It's up to you. We'll just hope for the best. And he goes, who are you? 
the fuck? <laughs> Come on, bitch. Come on. Like, these are the I hate the comparisons to, like, this is adult Harry Potter, but these are the parts why people say it, because uh-huh. there's some real talk about, like, yeah, you're not the chosen one, but you can try, and we're all going to hope that you can defeat this beast mm-hmm. if you want. <laughs> or if not, there will be someone else. <laughs> and then she she doesn't say who she is. I mean, she already says she's Eliza, but he she doesn't expand. Why does she know the stuff? Why is she saying the stuff? She just says he needs to get strong and learn fast. And then she pickpocketed him. She pulls the crystal out. The Emerson's she's like, alloy. She's holding the crystal he stole from Penny. And he's like, you stole that. And I once again get to say, pot, kettle, hello. <laughs> Quentin and Alice, two sides of the same annoying coin. Mm-hmm. And Eliza goes, relax. No one is taking your mind today. We're going to advise probation and one more chance. But she leaves with a warning. Don't hop back on the garden path like some little lemming, or I'll erase everything and start you over entirely. Everything is connected. Don't overthink it. Mm. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? It's very ominous. It's like, uh, okay. But I do like that she says it because right after we go back to one of those surprising connections, Marina who is watching Julia get her first star tattoo. This is just the beginning, Marina says, and she and Pete smile, and Julia looks like she wonders what she's gotten herself into. Yeah, and I'm like, on your thigh, really? Don't you have to show that to people to get into places? You do in the books. Um, So the second Magician's book is like Julia's story. Yeah. Um, Which we're seeing here in this first season woven in with Quentin's story, but... In the second book, as she goes around to all the magic houses, yeah, she, like, shows off her stars as she earns them to, like, show her her cred. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, I love how the first and the second episode together have told us the story of, like, all these seemingly disparate people and places and then has tied them together already in a way that our characters can't see. Yeah, I love that, too. Yeah, I always it's love that. So, it's so smart. Um, but we're not quite done yet with no. the episode. A lot happens in these episodes. A lot. Like, a, a lot happens. Um, what has become of Dean Fogg, who we haven't seen since the attack? We follow Eliza into a hospital area where poor Dean Fogg has bandages on both his eyes, his throat, and his hands are in some kind of boxes. I know. And then she she walks in. She goes, I hope your bits are covered. <laughs> and I'm like, who the hell is she talking to? Yeah. And she's like, how are you? I swear I didn't know the beast would come so soon. And we're like, whoa, you just said to Quentin that you did. What, uh, you are you know? contradicting yourself, madam. What do you know? What are you doing? And Fogg says, no one is ready. We need more time. And a teacher with full use of his hands. And he's like really mad. And Eliza is like, this is all my fault. And he goes, this is your problem. (laughs) He's mad. He is like half beaten in a hospital bed. He can't really do his job of being a magician if he can't move his hands. (laughs) No hands, no eyes. Like he really, he can't, he's effectively taken out of the game. He just has knowledge now. That's about it. 
Right. And so I I just love that, like, when Eliza's like, this is all my fault. And he's like, this is your problem. <laughs> um, and he goes, that you should solve. Quentin, Penny, they're not built for this. What? What? Penny's part of this too? What? And Eliza says, she's tried. It's not that easy. And Fogg says, find a way back. Find the beast. Kill him. Kill the beast. But Eliza finally breaks into a little bit of emotion and says, if I could do that, we'd be having a drink, not a care in the world, and four good eyes between us. <laughs> you said it just like her. That was great. I know. I, I really love all the like emotional outbursts um, in this episode. And then Eliza's like, what else can I do? And Fogg says, all we can do is make them magicians. She says, that's not enough. And he says, I know. And you think it's over, but we return to Quentin at the physical cottage, joining Elliot and Margot in the yard. And Elliot goes, it's not like we have all day, laughing. And then he goes, okay, we have all day. Okay, first of all, who grills in the rain? (laughs) Okay, thank you. So they're they're like grilling in the backyard, drinking and just having fun. And it's like Elliot and Quentin and Margot. And it's like, ha, 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 ha. And we end on poppy music and like a hint of lightness found in friends. Aww. And that is episode two. End of episode. End of episode. (laughs) Well, well, well. I need to get to the store because I have an Emerson's Alloy to purchase. (laughs) We have so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) You need me to get you anything from the witch shop? Everybody knows things that they're not telling us, except for Quentin and Julia, who, who are don't know shit. To, like, <laughs> don't know shit and are being taken advantage of by like everybody. But also, it's because they are both like, I mean, Julia is just driving forward, relentless. Like she's just gonna bust through walls to get to magic. Yeah, she wants it bad. And I think it's kind of interesting that like, if their positions were flipped, do I think Quentin would be going to this extent? No. No, for but sure. But he's the one presented as like he loves magic more. He needs this more. Like he cares more. And it's like, does he? Or but he is just this wants it to come like, to him. He wants to be part of a group. And magic is a thing that is cool. And so the he's catalyst. like, yeah. group and magic. Yes, this is what I need. But he could probably be just as happy in like a knitting class with a bunch of friends. You know, like Quentin's just looking for belonging. He needs some belonging and some self-esteem. But Julia is looking for, like, an overriding purpose to her life. Yeah. Through magic, now that she knows it exists. And so they're just on such different paths, but you can also tell, like, are they're either on parallel or perpendicular paths. Well, they're definitely, so since you said that you're like, you know, they're so connected, but they don't know it. And so you know yeah. that they're going to cross more and probably get even more involved with these others' lives once they both learned a lot more going forward right once they both realize these aren't separate worlds this is like one world of magic and people move between it one world one family yeah tarzan great great soundtrack um so okay i was like i was really surprised because it's called the source of magic this episode and you find out the source of magic from elliot of all people 
But we also don't really learn anything at all. It's just, it's just, he says it's pain, and that's what he says. But this, I mean, I, that's his I opinion. Would think it should be more official than that. Well, also, that's his opinion. We don't know how long he's been at break bills. We don't know his experiences. Like, also, keep in mind, for a whole magical school, Quentin has met remarkably few people. Yeah, that's true. Like, there were like 30 people in that classroom. Yeah. Where is everybody else? What are they all doing? What's going on with them? Does he not have any classmates he has to do projects with? Come on. Also, did they not go back to the dorms and they like see each other there? Like, there's no hangout time that we really see. Well, we get more we get more students going forward, but not yet. And it yeah, just it we'll seems very more. barren at the point at this point. But it does. It's like Elliot and Margot and Penny and Katie and Alice are the only kids in the school, even though there's like hundreds, if not thousands. Yeah. And then there'd have to be like dozens of teachers. Oh, for sure. We've, We've seen only like seen like three. three. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Um, I mean, I get it. Like, they're doing so much work to establish all of these different pieces and people. And it's really good. Like, it's not overwhelming. It makes sense. You just have, at this point, we are, we have so many questions. So many questions. And then you're like, Eliza, is your name even Eliza? Who and what are you? You are just a paramedic. Who the hell are you? Are you lying all the time? Eliza? <laughs> Eliza. <laughs> Eliza lies. She lies. <laughs> uh anyway but also like what's in the fillery sixth book does it matter i guess it'll it'll matter when it matters because apparently the fillery stuff just decides when it's gonna leave and when it's gonna come back i don't know that's true things with fillery are funny like that so is fillery real viewers is fillery real or is quentin having a massive psychotic break with reality <laughs> ultimately Do you think penny's sexy too <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> that shouldn't even be a question no, is everyone. that a question really? i mean also katie whew, very very beautiful yes. woman like this there's a lot of attractive people on this show that's the one thing that was i was i was really hoping for <laughs> <laughs> like it's a very attractive show of traumatized people. and it becomes very sexually fluid as it goes forward too there's a Which lot of is, stuff that happens but again i Again, a trope of kind of magic. Yeah. If you think about things like Sabrina, um, magic opens up all kinds of things. Ooh. It's an adult show, just to, like to make it clear going into it. Like it gets more and more adult as we go. And wild and crazy. It does. But uh, thank you for everybody for listening. And don't forget to follow Orlene on Twitter or Instagram at Spooky Orlean. The Rewatch Recap was brought to you by me, Dustin Holden. You can find the show on Instagram at The Rewatch Recap, or you can find me on TikTok at Dustin underscore Holden. Find me there for my weird-ass sense of humor, amongst other silly things related to my other show, Dustin Can Read and Watch. Speaking of which, my email is the same as the other show. You can reach me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for episode three of The Magicians. Keep it magical, everybody. Goodbye.